Hey guys, welcome to Emerge Church. Thank you so much for joining today. I'm Pastor Kurt. If you don't know me, hey, I would love to get to know you. No, seriously. Why don't you go ahead and just send me an email, kurt at emerge317.church, or you can send me a text. Either one, let's connect. So God has been doing so many things here lately, and we are just seeing him show up and show off. Can you help me out and either comment below or send me a direct message with what you've been seeing God doing? Maybe you recently started tithing or attending or you just gave your life to Christ here at Emerge Church. Whether it's big or small, I just want to know what God's been doing in your life. We want to hear all about what God is up to. The healing, the salvations, everything. See, we're closing out in the early church series today, and then we're going to go into the, how the church grew in a new four-week series as we continue through Acts with some stops along the way in Colossians and 2 Corinthians. As I've mentioned several times, we're going to be finishing off the New Testament by later this fall. All right, today is February 28th. It is so hard to believe that we are already in the Lent season. Hey, do you know what Lent is? Well, basically, it's a time where we just slow down and we look towards what Jesus did for us here on earth. We head towards Jesus' death on the cross and ultimately Him being raised from the dead on Easter, His resurrection. All right, going forward, we are five weeks away from Easter. I can't believe it. And we can't wait to see you all in person. Come on, put on a mask and come on out. Let's get back to church in person. Of course, if you're not comfortable and can't do it, I completely understand. So guys, let's just go ahead and pray and we're going to get started. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come here, to pray, to open up your scripture, to learn something new about you, and to be able to turn around and apply that, to take head knowledge that we have all about you and Christianity, but truly transfer it down into our heart. So God, I just ask that you help us to open our minds, that you'll soften our hearts, that you will give us the direction, the discernment, uh, to take our action steps to go on into what you're calling us to do, as to truly be your hands and feet in this community, in this time as we're all starting to emerge from this pandemic. Father, may we be the church and be the people, be your people that are out there reaching each and every single person that's coming out to give them the hope and the joy and the peace that you give us. And so Father, as we're going into this time, as we're Opening up your scriptures, Father, reveal something new. Let us come away from here, go away from here, and into this day and into this week ahead, just to be further on this journey along with you and to be your disciples and out reaching out to all those around just to teach them more about you and create more disciples who follow. So, Father, we say thank you. We say we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, this is week number four of the early church. Like I said earlier, we're going to go into the next four weeks to look at how the church grew. So let's go ahead and just finish off the series today. You know, we've been looking at and seeing what it looks like to be the early church or really for us to truly be like the early church. You know, it's a model for all of us to embrace. And today we're gonna to open up to James 2 and read about faith and works. It's often misunderstood what is being laid out here by James. Many people see it as your works are what help you to measure up in God's eyes. Others will see that it's only your faith. Well, it's a one and type of a relationship here. It's both. 
You know, it starts with our faith and faith leads to those works. So I'm going to just stop right here. We're going to go ahead and open up the scripture and dig into it. So be sure to take some notes. You can text the word gathering to 66599 or click the link up above. It'll open up to the Bible app or even on a web browser. And you can go ahead and take notes. You can save those notes or you can go ahead and have them emailed to yourselves. So let's just jump into it right now. And we're going to start off in the scripture. So we're going to do James 2. But first, let's pray. Father, thanks for this opportunity again just to be here As we open up your word, as we open up your scriptures, words that are breathed by you, Father, may words jump off the page, may action points be spotted for each and every one of us, so that from here we can go and apply and do what it is that you're calling. So God, remove distractions, open our eyes, open our minds, and soften our hearts for what you have to tell us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So James chapter 2 we're going to start in verse 14 so james chapter 2 verse 14 i'm reading in the niv version if you want to follow along you can change your version in the bible app that you're using uh or if you have a paper bible you have to just kind of follow along so we're going to start in james chapter 2 verse 14 and it starts off with the title of faith and deeds or faith and works So uh, verse 14, 14, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. So show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Verse 20, you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his actions were, I'm sorry, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Verse 23 And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does, and not by faith alone. Verse 25, In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. This was such a good reading, wasn't it? So let's go ahead and just take a look at this reading. I want to break it down into three different sections that all kind of tie into each other. I'm going to give you the breakdowns here for first, which you'll also see in your notes if you already have those notes. But you can go ahead and just note these down in the margins of your Bible or whatever it is. The first one is James 2, through 4, uh, 2 14 through 17. Go ahead and put a box around it, bars, just so you can separate it out. And you can entitle this section as Expression or expression of the true faith. 
All right, you got it? The next one is verses 18 through 20. So verses 18 through 20 are next here for you to highlight, to circle, to underline. And these verses, they can be entitled, The Evidence of True Faith. Again, The Evidence of True Faith. Again, we'll go back through all of these, but just let me give you this last one real quick. The third and final one that you'll see here in your notes section as well. But I want you to go ahead and denote the verses 21 through 26. So the last one is James 21 through 26. And block off those verses and entitle it the examples of true faith. So those are the three that are laid out here. The expression of true faith, the evidence of true faith, and examples of true faith. So let's go ahead and just look at these. The first one, as number one, is the expression of true faith. You see, James's use of my brothers, and some of the versions you'll see it's translated like that, is trying to put us all in the same light. He's referring to the fellow believers and speaking to each and every one of them. It was and still is a term of endearment and of pulling us all together in the same direction, put us in the same light by calling us brothers. He introduced this paragraph with a rhetorical question. He starts it off by saying, what good is it if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? You see, the emphasis is not on the true nature of faith, but on the false claim of faith. Such faith does no good. There is no profit. And, and the Greek word used here is ophelos, which can be translated to profit as it's seen in our text. Or it's more closely related to being an advantage or a benefit. It could be seen as a furtherance or a help or to do good. Ophelos is used only in the New Testament, only here and in 1 Corinthians. So to profit is a good word to look at. What am I doing to increase my wealth, my look? What am I doing to benefit only myself? That's what I think of when I look at the word profit. If you are doing something to only profit, that means that someone else is in the detriment of it. In essence, it's your winning and someone else is losing. It might not be exactly or, or look exactly like that, but it, it's true. Even if you are helping someone, you are still profiting off of them in some way, whether it's a business deal or on your personal side. You know, what I love about this set of verses is that it's telling us that it is worthless because it is all talk with no walk. It is only an empty boast or a claim. You know, I'm sure you've seen some people just talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. Or like I will say, all show and no go. You know it when you've seen it. It's a person that will just show up to say that they've been there, but they didn't do anything at all. Maybe it's showing up to help in yard work, but that person just walks around, goes around and talks to every single person so that they all knew that he was there or they were there but they didn't do anything. You know, maybe it's a person that always talks about doing great acts of service. You know, I'm willing to cook for the homeless. I'm willing to do home repairs. Then that said person is presented with an opportunity to use those gifts. All of a sudden, they're busy and incapable of doing it. You know, I've seen this many, many times throughout my life. I can see it and I can often smell it on the person. You know, my good friend coined it another way. He said to me, Kurt, my brother, you smell like the sheep. 
you get in and get dirty, you meet them where they are. You don't send others out to do it without you doing it alongside of them. So do you smell like the sheep? Or do you smell like the king or queen? You know, talking about it and saying how you, you have other people that are there to do it all for you. You see, the vain boast, faith by itself, or faith in and of itself with no evidence of action is dead. Workless faith is worthless faith. It's unproductive. It's sterile. It is dead. Next, let's go to the verses 18 through 20. And this section is entitled, The Evidence of True Faith. This right here, this may be one of the most misunderstood sets of verses. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. An imaginary person, a someone, was introduced here by James, wasn't it? You see, that he, you see that he did not object to James's conclusion. He agreed that faith without works is dead, but he wrongly downplayed faith while highlighting his works. You see, what follows shows me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Maybe the continuation of the person responding, maybe it's their, their words. It seems, however, that the person responding is actually throwing down the challenge. Show me your faith apart from, apart from works. And I will show you my faith that's emerging from my works. Verse 19. It may be well to include even verse 19 here as part of the person's responding, responding's argument. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. If so, he may be a typical Gentile believer who attacked the creedal belief of monotheism accepted by all the Jews. He was saying that to believe in one God may be good so far as it goes, but it does not go far enough. The demons even do that. In fact, not only do they believe, they even shudder. You see, the belief in one God may not be trust in that God. Unless it is trust and it's not true faith if it will not be evidence in good works. In other words, the person responding is saying, faith is not the key. What counts is works. Thus, the person responding has gone way too far. James did not say that works are essential to faith or that faith is unimportant. His argument his argument here is that works are evidence of faith. It's a heart matter too, right? You see, that what it, this is all getting at is it's a heart matter. We can all have the head knowledge and truly say yes to Jesus, but it's that 12 to 18 inch journey from your head down to your heart. That is the longest journey that you will ever take. I call it a journey and not an odyssey because that's actually the final destination. Once you put your faith and trust in Jesus, it's not over. It's a constant engagement of your heart and your mind to continue to seek him fully. You see, head knowledge will give you the faith. And once it hits the heart, then, then you'll be doing the works out of love and obedience. Not out of righteous regulations and rules, but truly out of a heart filled with love, gratitude, peace, and joy to go over and above outside of our own selves, to, to point others to Jesus through these works. 
through these deeds. All right, let's go on and finish this section out. You know what you see and what I love here is that James did not launch into a lengthy refutation of a person of the person that was responding. He simply addressed him forcefully. You foolish man. And then he returned to his original argument that faith without deeds is useless. The Greek word used here is actually translated into words such as lazy or idle or negligent. The adjective foolish is usually translated as vain, as empty or hollow, or you could even say worthless or fruitless or useless. Flimsy faith is dead, so are empty faithless works. James' argument is not pro-works, anti-faith, or pro-faith and anti-works. He has simply said that genuine faith is accompanied by good works. Spiritual works are the evidence, not the energizer, of sincere faith. All right, let's go on. Lastly, let's look at verses 21 through 26 for point number three, which are examples of true faith. What we see here is that James gives us two biblical examples. Abraham, the patriarch, and Rahab, the redeemed lady of a not-so-noble character. So why, why Abraham and Rahab? Are, why are they brought into this? See, he was writing, James was writing to a group of Jewish believers that, and they would all be in the know of the historical aspects of these stories, as do most of us. We can see that in the word that what Abraham did in being obedient to almost sacrifice Isaac, it was not that the action that saved him, but it was his faith. Then we have Rahab on the other side who's brought into this. She's a Gentile. So at the start, this is automatically not good for all these Jews that are reading this. Why? Well, women are not held in high esteem back then. And, and that's really unfortunate, isn't it? Then you have that this woman is of not-so-noble character, plus she's a Gentile. Well, it's catching the attention of these Jews as she is declared as faithful to have faith. She helped the spies onto victory and to let the spies know that God was on their side. So James presented each example in the form of a question, anticipating all of us to eagerly read in it and, to, and be in agreement to what he's saying. It's a great way to propose any topic. It's kind of like upselling to your kids, isn't it? You know, would you like to read one story, only one story with mom, or three stories with dad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get it. It's a both end. <laughs> Verse 21, so was, that was not, was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? This question is often held to be directly opposed to Paul's statement that Abraham's faith and not his works caused God to, to, to declare him righteous. Well, Paul, Paul, however, he was arguing for the priority of faith. And James, as we see it here, he's, he's argued for the proof of faith. You see, Paul declared that Abraham had faith and was therefore justified or declared righteous prior to circumcision. James, well, James explained that Abraham's faith was evident in his practice of Isaac's sacrifice and, and 
he was therefore justified or declared righteous. Works serve as the barometer of justification, while faith is the basis for justification. Faith is the force behind the deed. The deed is the finality of the faith, and faith finds a fulfillment in action. So it was with Abraham. James and Paul quoted the exact same passage in Genesis 15:6 to prove their points. Paul said that Abraham was justified by faith, and James said that Abraham was justified by faith, evidenced by what he did. In the same way, was not even Rahab declared righteous for her actions when she welcomed those spies in and helped them escape. That was in Joshua 2. In verse 26, you can see that we have the conclusion here, and that it is very clear. Faith and deeds are an essential are essential to each other as the body and the spirit, apart from the spirit or the breath of life, the body is dead. Apart from the evidence of works, faith may be deemed as dead. It is not the real thing. True faith continually contributes to spiritual growth and the development of our overall faith. So not only are we to stand confidently on God's word, even in the midst of trials and temptations, like some of the pillars of our faith, but also we must serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, we need to accept all members of God's family without favoritism. And we also need to aid the family with a working faith. You know, we are to welcome everyone to welcome all in and serve alongside of each other. We are a body of believers. We're called into action according to the gifts that he has so richly, so richly bestowed upon us. So let me share this great illustration from Archbishop Waitley many, many, many years ago. It's about faith and works. And it goes on to say, So two gentlemen were one day crossing the river in a ferry boat. And a dispute broke out about faith and works. One saying that good works were of small importance and that faith was everything. And the other one was asserting the contrary. Not being able to convince each other, the ferryman, an enlightened Christian, asked permission to go ahead and give his opinion. So he said, I, I hold in my two hands two oars, two oars, that in my right hand I shall call faith, and my other hand and my left shall call works. Now, gentlemen, please observe, as I pull the oar of faith and pull that one alone, see the boat goes round and round, and the boat makes no progress. I do the same with the, the oar of the works by itself, with precisely the same result, no advancement forward. However, it's when I pull both of them together that we go on, and in a very few minutes, we shall be at our landing place. So in my humble opinion, he added, faith without works or works without faith will not suffice. Let there be both and the, the haven of eternal rest is assured to be reached. You know, as we close out here, what are your application points, guys? What are your pain points? What resonated with you? Here's what I want you guys to take away from all that we've read here but truly in all that we do. I want you to go from a head knowledge of God to a heart level 
Jesus-loving, obedient son and daughter. I want you to have this vibrant relationship with Jesus. <laughs> that you're going to open and anticipate and open the Bible and experience him and to learn more about him. That your prayer life will just take off. I want you to be able to grow in your relationship with Christ so that the overflow of that will go into your family, will go into your job and into yours and our community. Right now, if, if we are a Christian, we are already have a mark on our backs in this society. We've been too wishy-washy as believers. We've sat back and not invited others into what we're doing. We've sat in rows and not gotten into circles for a Bible study. We've sat in rows while we watch others faithfully serve us. We've sat in our houses while watching our neighbors struggle to clear their driveway. We've said, hey, I'm praying for you. When one of your good friends has lost a family member, instead of going to the funeral, cooking a meal, or sending a grub home. Come on, guys. Of course, I'm not talking to all of you, but if this is stinging a little bit, there's got to be a little bit of truth that you need to uncover from it. So guys, let's just be his hands and feet. Let's, let's be Jesus to this broken world. Now is the time. Now is the time to serve on a team. Now is the time to give. Now is the time to invite others. You see, we are five weeks away from Easter, and I want you to write down three families or individuals that you can be praying for to seek the opportunity to invite them to Easter here at Emerge. So I want you to go ahead and write down those names right now. And then I'll pray. So Father, as we're um, finishing up writing down these names of these families or individuals that we're going to invite to Easter, God, I ask that you just give each person specific names of people that they can be praying for to seek the opportunity to invite them in, to invite them in to emerge and to be a part of your kingdom, ultimately. Those that are far from you, specifically. Those that have never heard the good news. Put some names down. Let us cross their paths in the next couple of weeks. Let us invite them in and also, at the same time, let us go out and serve them and serve alongside them and meet them where they are. Now, Holy Spirit, there's multiple application points and help us just to get clarity in our minds as to where it is and what it is that you're wanting us to do. And um, I just ask that you continue just to guide us and direct us. Father, help us to truly Go out into this community and be your hands and feet. Let us reach out to those around. Let us be praying for our lost neighbors, for our lost siblings and loved ones. And Father, may we continue to love each other well. Father, there's so many people that have been broken and hurt by the church and that are saying, I'm done with religion. And Father, I just ask that in Jesus' name that you put us in their path. Let us strike up the conversation, the relationship, and start inviting them back into it. Maybe it's just one or two people just meeting together for a Bible study, or maybe it's inviting them into the church, whatever it is, and we're getting them back into their own church. Father, there are so many churches around here, and there's so many people, and we just need to be 
with our, just like you, Jesus, we need to have our arms open wide and be out there helping, bringing others in, and meeting them where they are. So Father, thank you for this opportunity just to read and learn more about faith and works. And God, we just ask that you help us to take all this head knowledge that we have and make it heart-level obedient joy that resonates within us. And let us be a cup overflowing so that peace and joy can be experienced all around us because of the time that we spent with you. And may we just point others to you in all ways and in all things. Father, we say thank you in advance for what you're going to do. We lay before you all everything where we are here in this world. And we just say thank you, Jesus. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I want to give you a few other things. Um, I don't know if I put it on the announcement guide, but what we have coming up is March 21st from 6 to 8 p.m. in downtown Indianapolis. There's this thing called March for the Millions. Uh, here at Emerge, we have joined Multiply Indiana, and Multiply Indiana is all about 100 churches in the next decade, brand new churches just here in Indiana, and to be able to reach over a million people. And so that is the goal, that is the, the prayer, is to have over one million disciples, one million people following and seeking Jesus that are new to the faith. And so March for a Million is a great site to go out there, read down through, you can make a commitment if you want to say you're going to disciple a person or two, or you can register for this walk on March 21st from 6 to 8 p.m. downtown Indy. Each of the, um, there's going to be four different meeting points based on your last name. And for the hour from 6 to 7, you're going to walk in groups uh, towards downtown. And praying and talking and doing stuff along the way. Um, connecting with some others. Connecting with those that you may come across in the street. And being able to pray and lift up our city, our state, in prayer. And then everyone's going to convene by 7 p.m. downtown at the Circle for a time of worship and prayer to finish it out by 8 p.m. So that's March 21st, 6 to 8 p.m. Would love for you to be a part for part of it. Go out to marchformillion.com and you can see the information uh, on meeting points as well as other, if you're here with me, uh, with us here at Emerge, we have postcards that we're handing out. Um, so you have the information right in front of you or you can go out to that website. Would love for you to be a part of that. There's also other announcements and multiple things going on, but really the biggest thing is for us and for you is Easter's coming. We really need some more people to come alongside of us and to serve and to welcome all those that are going to be emerging out of this pandemic. I, I know that there's going to be multiple new people that are going to be walking in the building over the next couple weeks and then also, also ultimately on Easter. There's going to be so many people that are going to be coming into all the churches all around and it's going to be awesome to see and i can't wait for it and i want you to be a part of it so would you come join us come join us and serve once a month uh, or just for easter or whatever it looks like whatever it is uh, if you're calling emerge home please come on out and serve if you're able 
put on a mask, come join us. Would love for you guys to be a part of it. There's multiple other announcements like I mentioned just a minute ago. You can also go out to our events page, see what all is happening. Lots of things that are planned. There's gonna be an email going out um, by Monday for our March updates of what we have for the month of March. Uh, lots of things that are, are planned as we're kind of cruising right into Easter. And um, I'd just love for you guys to be a part of it. So check that out. Uh, sign up for our email newsletter. If you haven't done it, you can do it on our Facebook page or you can just go out to our website and sign up for it. And um, that's it for now. We love you guys so much. I want you to have a fantastic week and we'll see you soon. Take care, guys.